The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with two other excellent newsletter writers, Roger Wiegand, who publishes Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying?, what is Chen selling? And both Chen and Roger will be with me today uh, on today's show at about 4.30 New York time uh, during the second hour of today's show. We do have a special introductory offer. Call our assistant, uh, my assistant, Claudio Bossi in New York, uh, to learn more about that at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, or go to miningstocks.com. You can also go to jtaylormedia.com to access those newsletters as well as this radio show and various other things that I do from time to time. You can also follow me on Twitter under the Silverstocks handle. We do want to thank our sponsors for making this show um, economically viable. And for the first hour of today's show, our sponsors are Eurostar Gold Corp., Liberty Silver Corp., and Airway Energy, Inc. And I will be talking uh, to two members of the management team of Eurostar Gold Corp. in just a few minutes after the uh, first break uh, in today's show. This is a company that I think you're going to want to learn something more about. It is a recommendation in my newsletter, uh, and it is a sponsor to this show. Um, I've recently been reading a book called The Ominous Parallels by Leonard Peikoff, and The Ominous Parallels uh, really talks about what was happening in the United States along about 1982 or so, uh, and Really, it talked about the parallels between what was going on in America then and what led up to the Nazi dictatorship of Adolf Hitler. Well, today, as we look at the political landscape and we look at the erosion of our liberties and our freedom, today I think this book is more uh, is more apropos uh, by far than it was in 1982, and it was relevant then. It was, as I say, written by Leonard Peikoff and introduced by Ayn Rand. Uh, although it was written in 1982, uh, Alan Greenspan really thought it was extraordinary. In fact, to quote him, he said that this book was an extraordinarily perceptive, frightening insight. Uh, everyone concerned with the collectivist trend in today's world should read this book. End of quote, Alan Greenspan, 1982. Well, unlike the current chairman of the Federal Reserve, it was clear from Greenspan's writings that he indeed understood that America was then and has been emerging into a collectivist fascist society. And that is why I believe if ever there was a traitor high up in the American political structure in my lifetime, it was Alan Greenspan because he knew what he was doing. As Fed chairman, he printed enormous amounts of money that led to the dot-com bubble and later the housing bubble, which in turn has led to even more government control of our markets and is taking away our liberties from us um, in a very major way, of course. If you were to ask me who was the worst traitor president, traitor president in my lifetime, I would have to tell you that it was President Nixon. And I'd say that 
not because of Watergate. That was a small sideshow, although it got all the political attention. The reason I look at Nixon in that way, uh, in such a, a negative term, was because he took us off the international gold standard in 1971. It was that action that enabled Greenspan to print endless amounts of money, and of course, that is being carried out in an even greater uh, degree right now by Ben Bernanke. So Nixon's actions of taking us off the international gold standard was most responsible, I believe, for leading America completely away from free market capitalism into a collectivist dictatorship that we are very rapidly moving more and more into uh, as I speak. Evidence of manipulated markets is all around us today. It is even acknowledged now by the mainstream press, the mainstream media. Uh, is acknowledging that the LIBOR markets are rigged and have been rigged by Barclays and probably several other major money center banks. But the Gold Antitrust Action Committee has been on this story and on to the government's rigging schemes ever since the late 1990s. While it has been most focused on the rigging of the gold markets, it has understood very well the connections between the rigging of the gold markets and the rigging of other markets, including the markets for interest rates. Bill Murphy has uh, to be given credit, I believe, for his perception that the gold markets were being rigged. He came to that conclusion when working with the brilliant Frank Veneroso in the late 1980s, and Bill was able to get a journalist, Chris Powell, to join him to form GATA, uh, the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. And I am pleased to tell you that Chris Powell will be with me uh, starting at about starting at about 3.30 New York time uh, today, and he'll be with me uh, for one hour up until about 4.30. Sooner or later, the laws of markets, however, do overtake dictators, and the Anglo-American dictatorship that is now attempting to surround the European continent will eventually be no exception in my view. But a huge amount of hardships, heartaches, and poverty will be caused and is being caused in the meantime by our country's move away from free markets and personal responsibility towards collectivism. We see the forces of Mother Nature and her markets playing out now in real time in the gold markets. Despite obvious attempts to push the price of gold down, or at least to cap it, gold has risen dramatically in recent years. Eventually, it will be the gold miners who produce real money in the form of gold and silver that rule the day because market forces will demand that. We have recently had folks like James Turk and Jim Butler on this show to talk to us about the inevitability of the markets demanding a return to gold-related monetary system. Whether or not such a system results in a return to liberties of our founding fathers that they dreamed of and fought for and provided for us in the Constitution remains to be seen. We can hope for that, but it could also be that gold will be used in a sinister way, much as Hitler used it to rebuild nations just uh, as the U.S. is now seeking to take over countries around the world. Regardless, gold now seems poised for another major run to higher levels. At around 4.30 today, as I mentioned, uh, well, we're going to be talking to Chris Powell, as I mentioned earlier, and we're going to talk to Chris about how Hitler used gold for his purposes, uh, and hopefully uh, that same uh, um, scenario will not be replayed going forward uh, in America. We will be talking to um, Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand, my two partners, at around 4.30 today. We'll talk to them about their views on the gold markets at this time. There does seem to be, really, gold seems to be breaking out technically now and is looking very much more bullish. Uh, certainly, the gold shares are starting to behave in a much more positive way, which is, which is a good sign, uh, obviously, for those people who buy the recommendations in my newsletter. Uh, we are much happier today in the last few days than we had been. It's been a very, very tough market for the juniors, no doubt about that, over the last year or so. Uh, as I mentioned, after we come back uh, from break, we will be talking to Adrian Roberts and Bill Reed of Eurostar Gold Corp. That's a company that I have recommended in my newsletter. It's performed very well since then, unlike most of the companies on the list. They have some very promising gold properties uh, in Mexico. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to want to listen to their story when they come on to talk about it in a few minutes. Uh, in the markets in general, though, I'm very concerned uh, about them, um, and I think that it pays to listen to some of the most brilliant analysts uh, of the market. Um, one of them is Richard Russell, uh, and he has been talking about the refusal of the Dow Jones to um, to break above its May highs of 13,279. And earlier today, it looked like it would do so. 
But now the Dow is down some 50 points. Uh, I'm looking at the screen. It says actually 64, almost 65 points down today. So the Dow will again refuse to go over its 13,279 high. And also the transports are refusing to go uh, to reach anywhere near their May highs. And they would both need to do that in order for the Dow theory uh, bear market to uh, uh, signal to be taken off. Well, Russell marvels at the market's inability uh, to pierce through that, the Dow's inability to pierce through those levels. He notes also that normally in the past, when we would get those kind of uh, Dow theory bear market signals, it wouldn't be long before the market would take a huge decline. This time it's held up surprisingly well. And we wonder, I wonder for sure, whether or not there isn't some plunge protection team activity out there uh, that could, as in fact one Federal Reserve official said uh, the Fed should, in fact, step in, the government should step in and support the markets and essentially rig the markets, the equity markets, too, to try to keep them from falling uh, when fear starts to grip the markets. Well, I don't know if that's true. I have no way of proving it. But certainly uh, the plunge protection team uh, uh, that is also uh, has another more polite name. Uh, we'll talk to Chris Powell about that. Uh, later today, but they certainly have the legal right to rig any market anytime they want to, and uh, and they don't deny that at all. In fact, they put it right out there if you try to challenge their views. Uh, Russell is very concerned about these markets, as is Robert Prechter, and Prechter said in the uh, in his monthly newsletter, he said, all financial assets are overvalued, stocks are overvalued, commodities are overvalued, real estate is overvalued, gold is overvalued. Perhaps most of all, IOUs, bonds, notes, bills, mortgages, and even bank deposits, which are the basis for buying all of these other assets, are overvalued. Is this not amazing, he wonders. Well, Robert Prechter is predicting a huge decline in equity prices below 1,000 on the Dow. It is a cataclysmic view of the world. It is one that I think is, is certainly... Uh, is certainly reasonable, although it's, although it's extreme for sure, and we can only hope and pray that Prechter is wrong about that. But we need to try to view the world as it is, not as we want to see it. And I think there are a lot of reasons for being very, very pessimistic. Although, when it comes to gold, I, when I talked to Robert Prechter on the show, it was clear that he agreed that gold in real terms would rise. Yeah, in, in real terms, not against the dollar. And this is where I would differ with Robert Prechter, no doubt about that. Prechter believes that gold will go down less than everything else. And that, in fact, from a mining company's point of view, is really uh, good news. I think it doesn't matter what the nominal price of gold is. It's whether you can get it out of the ground for a profit. And that has been extremely good news since the, uh, since the Lehman Brothers decline. And as I pointed out on this show time after time, almost every week, we've seen a continuous growing uh, growth or a uptrend line in the real price of gold. What an ounce of gold will buy as measured by the Rogers Raw Materials Fund has done extremely well. It is up very dramatically from 17% uh, to uh, nearly 50% recently. It's back down to about 43%. And gold mining company profits have done very, very well. They've backed off a bit over the last year or so. But I think from a long-term perspective, the fundamentals for gold mining remains extremely strong, which is why I remain, believe that we are still in the bull market of a lifetime for gold and gold mining companies. Well, that's uh, we do have to take a break now, uh, but don't go away because when we come back, we're going to be back uh, here talking to the executives of a very promising exploration company, uh, a sponsor of this show, uh, Eurostar a Gold Corp, and Adrian Roberts will be with us, uh, as will his colleagues. So don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. 
drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership, and loyal shareholder base, Euristar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information. Is your business ready to get started in social media? If you've already made that plunge, where do you stand right now? Are you using it to stay ahead of your competition? Or are you feeling a bit lost? Tune in to Social Media Pearls with host Shirley Williams. Shirley and her guest experts are here to answer your questions as well as focus on areas where you should have questions. It's everything you've always wanted to know about using social media for business. It's Social Media Pearls, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Adrian Roberts. Uh, he's the president and CEO of Eurostar and also the chief geologist, Bill Reed, uh, who is uh, with Eurostar as well. Uh, this is one of our sponsors, um, for sure. Uh, Eurostar uh, now, as this is the first time we've talked or introduced the story to you, but it is one that uh, it is a company that I've recommended in my newsletter, and uh, unlike most of the junior gold shares, it has performed quite well over the last number of weeks. So, very pleased about that. Adrian is a mining engineer who has had a lot of experience running mining projects in the past with major companies like Valet and Tech. That was uh, formerly uh, and formerly Inco, um, which was merged into Valet and Tech and TVX Corp. Those are uh, well-known Canadian companies that uh, he has uh, worked with so he brings a wealth of experience uh, to this little junior mining company uh, as does his colleague Bill Reed who has uh, really had a very impressive 40 years of experience in the mining industry um, where he's worked with a whole host of different kinds of mineralized, mineralized uh, projects uh, in Mexico Latin America and uh, Africa and elsewhere um, believing that management is really the first thing that you need to look at, uh, I think that that is certainly a strong point for this company with these two gentlemen uh, leading the company with their vast experience for junior mining companies to have people of this uh, of, of this level of experience. It's, it's very, very important and I think a big plus. So welcome both of you, uh, Adrian and Bill, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thanks, Dave. Thank Thanks you. for having us on. Really good to have you on. Um, Adrian, you uh, are the president and uh, CEO, so I'll probably ask you questions, general questions, and maybe Bill more about the geology uh, of what of your projects there that you have. You, um, your, your main project, uh, flagship project, is the El Antimonio property in Mexico. Um, you don't have a a resource there yet, I believe, but uh, what what uh, do you see there, and this maybe is a question for Bill, what do you see there uh, geologically that excites you and gives you reason to think there's some hope? Well, we're located along the Sonora Mojave Megashear, which is a big regional structural feature that comes out of Southern California and crosses through Sonora. In uh, the Yuma area, there are some large gold deposits, uh, Mesquite, Picacho, uh, uh, others. The zone goes through the uh, part of Arizona, which is a mineral testing range, so that's not being explored. But when it goes into uh, Sonora, there are some very large deposits, particularly Aradura, which is owned by Pinoles and Newmont, uh, probably has resources in the range of 10 million ounces. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this zone really wasn't recognized until in the early 80s. Um, 
it's a big zone. Uh, parts of it are covered by dune deposits and shallow alluvial cover. Uh, we have a large land position there, approximately 125 square kilometers, uh, and we've really only had a chance to look at about a third of that. But we've already identified two areas, uh, we call them areas one and four, where we have some drill holes uh, with some uh, interesting intercepts over uh, wide intervals, and two of these holes end in mineralization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some pretty long intercepts, uh, uh, not uh, exactly blockbuster values, but it seems to me something like a third of a gram over a huge intersection was one that I saw recently. Is that right? Yes, we have one that cut 183 meters at average 0.23 grams in in mineralization. We have uh, some other ones with some higher grade, and certainly in these zones there are higher grade envelopes. Mm-hmm. Adrian, I'd like to ask you the 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 mission of the company. The goals of the company is to is to define or find a, a major deposit, uh, and then how far will you take it yourself? Your as uh, as your company, how far will you, will um, Eurostar take the deposit? You know, we don't have a lot of experience on board putting things, uh, taking things right into production. So we're mm-hmm. really interested in uh, in having some success with the drill bit, developing value through that. And seeing, you know, based on where we are geographically relative to some some major producers, we think we can generate some interest um, from uh, from existing producers. Timmins Gold is just down the road. Obviously, Bill said we're we're pretty close to uh, Frisnio and Newmont up at Herodurus. So mm-hmm. um, we'd like to we'd like to generate a resource, hopefully, with these projects, and then uh, see if there's any interest from the from the producers who, as you mentioned on your show, are are flush with cash right now and looking for something to do with it. So Absolutely. So and Timmins is a company that I'm very much familiar with, was one that I had put in my newsletter years ago before it yeah. went into production, is really making a go of it with a relatively low um, uh, low grade, I think less than a gram per ton, perhaps. You know, right? I think they're cut off down at their San Francisco minus 0.14. Yeah. So, so when we say that we have spotty grade and it's 0.3, well, that's that's well into the envelope of where it would, it would count towards a resource in this part of the world. I just look at it, New Gold's... Uh, Mesquite project for their resource of mesquite, they're using 0.11 as a lower cutoff. So, well, this is one of the things that I, I keep pointing out that the real price of gold has risen dramatically since the Lehman Brothers credit crunch, and it's um, something historically that has been true, and I think bodes extremely well. But I mean, if you go back 10, 20 years ago, the idea of putting projects uh, into production that were, you know, those with those low grades, it was not imaginable. But but clearly now it's a, it's a different game. Well, you're in the process now of, I think, a 10,000-meter drill program. Uh, how much of that have you, um, uh, Bill, have you uh, undertaken? How much How much of the 10,000 meters have been drilled and reported on? I think on? we've done, uh, well, we have completed, I believe, 9,000-plus meters, uh, and I'll have to defer to Adrian to tell you how many of those we've been reported on. Uh-huh. But uh, we'll keep drilling through uh, the end of this month, I believe. And, Adrian, how many more drill results might we look for uh, from this program? Uh, we should have something out very, very soon on uh, up to hole 37. And then beyond that, I think we're gonna, probably going to get about 50 holes out of the program. So we should have news flow right through the end of uh, September as we wait for assays to come in. Okay, that's good. And then uh, I guess you'll probably sit down, appraise the results, and then figure out where you go from there. Exactly. The idea is to take the results, um, look at where we can go to, to generate a resource in the next round of drilling. This is really the first holes that have been dro- drilled on El Antimonio on our on our land. So we're interested mm-hmm. to see what the results are, where the zones are, where we've had more success. Uh, for example, Bill talked about Zone 1. Mm-hmm. We've already got 10 holes within uh, 400 meters of strike length. In mm-hmm. zone one. So that's an area where we think we can probably go back and generate um, a resource at some point. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to take the results, look at where the most prospective areas were, and then go and, and drill it off to the point where we can announce some, some ounces. And is that 10,000-meter program just on the first, on that one zone that you're talking about, number no, one zone? No, that was spread out over uh, over four zones and mostly concentrated in zone one and, and zone four where we've had But you've success. only, uh, as Bill was saying, you'd only, have only really looked at preliminarily on a very early, uh, on a very early basis, a third of that 125-square-kilometer project. So it's a yeah. massive project. Exactly, and and the success we've had is open along strike as well. So really, we we have no idea what the potential of the project is. We just know 
at this point, all we know is that there's there's gold scattered all over the place. And it's early days, it. and it's uh, it's it's exciting. What can you tell us? Do you, I mean, it's well, probably way way too early to know anything about the metallurgy of the of this mineralization. Or what? Well, it's, well it's, it's typically these things think it's very well. The characteristics it's of the other deposits no region. No CM gold. It's uh, it's gold that you can usually see, and it's usually on fractures. So, uh, I with. The, we have not done metallurgy, but all of the deposits around us leach very well. Oh, that's good to know. And what about the um, what about other infrastructure issues here? Are there is it is it accessible easily accessible, or is is that an issue? Quite easily accessible. There's pavement within uh, a few miles of the project. There's some major power lines to go through there, and. Uh, there's a lot of water in those valleys out in that part of Sonora. Well, those are big issues always that you, uh, it's never too early to think about those issues, uh, even as you, as the drills are turning for sure. Um, okay, well that's, that's one of your projects. It's an early stage project and I guess we, we look forward to results, but you are, uh, also in the Sierra Madre, uh, mountains and you have another project, a couple of different properties, smaller, very small properties, relatively small properties, but, in a very good address. Tell us about that, uh, Adrian. Perhaps you could lead with that. Sure. Our other two properties are called uh, La Juliana and El Havili. They're both located about seven kilometers away from the Mulatto's Gold Mine, which, as you know, that's Alamos Gold's flagship uh, gold mine. I think they produced 130,000 ounces there last year, and, mm -hmm. and it's one, among the lowest cost gold mines in the world. Mm -hmm. um, we had uh, successful drill programs on both of those properties. In particular, on Havili, we drilled. Uh, it was tough drilling. We only got seven holes done, but uh, six of them reported good results. Um, the one that didn't report any results, we weren't able to reach our target depth or the target structure that we were looking for. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so really, we we found it was a very successful program, and we're um, we want to see how interested our neighbors uh, in that part of the world are in maybe taking those to the next level. We we think that there's some value there for for Agnico Eagle, who owns a mass plant position up at the Models Camp, and obviously for Alamos as well. So. Right. Um, yeah, we're very excited about the results up there. Well, Bill, uh, what can you tell us about the structure? You're finding gold there. Is it is there a continuous structure, or do you, do you know whether it might be extended onto the Alamos property? Uh, hard to say right now, but certainly that whole area is very prospective. Uh, mineralization area is structurally controlled, so uh, it's more than likely that you can uh, follow these structures into uh, others of those mines that are producing. Okay, so, and I, I would imagine that your infrastructure issues are not, that that is not an issue there. You're right in the middle of uh, of uh, the Alamos project. So uh, I guess, uh, how, much, um, how much money do you have in the till, uh, Adrian, and how far will that take you, and how soon might you have to raise some more? Yeah, we've got just about a million dollars left, so that takes us certainly to the end of the programs uh, that we're working on at Antimony. We've got a small core program and the 10,000-meter RC program. And if we decide that we need to go back and do a little bit of drilling at uh, at Havili and Juliana to make them maybe more attractive to Agnico or Alamos, we can we can certainly go back there and, and do some work as well before we need to recapitalize. So we're, we're in really good shape through uh, early 2013, I would say. Well, that's, uh, that's good to know, and it's also good to see, as I look at my screen now, a lot of green on the screen, and I see the, uh, uh, the um, Toronto Gold uh, Exchange, the TSX uh, uh, Gold Index is doing very well today, and it seems to have held uh, some critical levels and, and moving stronger. So clearly one of the main important things is for companies like yours, without cash flow, without um, a resource yet to be able to finance yourselves efficiently, so that's uh, it's good to see. I know that you do have some people behind the company that certainly are are well funded, you know, have deep pockets and have the ability to to carry this thing forward and keep the lights on even during difficult times. But the thing about this, these junior mining companies is that when you make a major discovery, and we're finding it out with a company called GoldQuest that I was fortunate enough to have on my list, it can be an extremely rewarding experience, and it certainly seems like you have some potential there with those big intersections and, and just early-stage drilling to uh, to come up with a winner here. Is there anything else uh, either of you would like to add before we conclude our discussion today? I haven't got anything. I would uh, urge your listeners to keep an eye on the on the news line. We should have something, like I say, very shortly. But uh, And to do that, your website is? It's uh, EurostarGold.com. 
easy enough to remember. You're a star, like you are a star. You're a Got star, it. goldcorp.com. Very good. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for being with us today and sharing your story. It's one I'll be looking forward to uh, following for my subscribers as well. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Chris Powell of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee to talk about the gold markets and, well, some things that might be going on under the table. Um, gold prices are moving higher today. They're up. Uh, gold is up $17.60 as I look at the screen. Good news uh, for those of us who are long in the gold markets. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Chris Powell. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico, using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership, and loyal shareholder base, Eurostar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to an underlying problem. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theories to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to quadruple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's Insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Chris Powell. Chris is the uh, is with the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. He's one of the principals of that uh, fine firm, a, a company um, really that is, um, well, it's a civil rights organization, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, he's been with us before. I'm not going to go through and read his uh, resume again, uh, other than uh, because you you can really look at it uh, at the Voice America website. Uh, Chris Powell is a guest; um, he's been posted there, and we've gone over it before. He is a news has a background in journalism uh, and a good education, and also a view uh, towards uh, justice and looking for what is right uh, and fair. And I think that's how I would uh, typify GATA in general: is an organization that is trying to to really get underneath the, the surface and find out what's really going on. And um, so welcome, Chris. Really good to have you back again. Oh, thanks for the invitation, Jay. 
you did a really great interview uh, with Russian television. Russian, is it called Russian television? It's, it's, it's. I see it all the time on the internet, and it is on some cable systems around the country. I think I viewed it when I was in San Francisco. Russian TV, um, an excellent interview. And is that available so people can can look at that? Uh, they can go to your GATA website and see it. Yes, possibly? it's uh, it's archived uh, at uh, YouTube. I think if uh, if you do a search term. Uh, Russia Today, Chris Powell, you'll probably find it. You'll find it, right. And I had no problem finding it. It's an excellent excellent interview, and we want to uh, talk about some of the same things that was covered in that interview. Um, Well, in any event, why uh, start out by, for the sake of those that may not be that familiar with GAD, and I can't imagine that a high percentage of our listeners wouldn't be uh, at least somewhat familiar with GAD, but why uh, why is it a, a civil rights organization? On what basis? How do we, how do you get to that point? Well, we uh, we have the premise, Jay, that uh, people uh, participating in the markets have a have a right to free and uh, and fair markets that are not uh, manipulated, not uh, interfered with uh, surreptitiously. In fact, that's the the law in the United States and really most uh, uh, modern uh, democratic. Uh, nations and uh, we also have the premise that uh, citizens in a democracy have a right to a transparent uh, accountable government which means if governments are uh, uh, interfering in markets or intervening in markets uh, that uh, people as citizens have a right to know what their government is doing in that respect yeah imagine that huh um, yeah, I know yes. it may sound quaint I, these I, days, but that was 13 years ago when we got started. <laughs> well, I think most people probably still sort of believe that their government is here to protect them and help them. And we have the SEC and we have other organizations, and your government is here to protect you. You should trust them. So why not? I mean, what are the reasons? And I guess that's what we want to talk about to an extent. It's been pointed out that there hasn't been an audit of the Fed since Eisenhower, and James Turk pointed that out a number of years ago. And yet, supposedly, according to uh, what you discussed on the Russian uh, television interview, the Los Angeles Times reported that, the, that there is some sort of an audit going on in the, uh, at the Fed in New York. Could you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, the L.A. Times reported uh, a few weeks ago that the uh, uh, Federal Reserve has uh, begun an audit of the gold bars that are stored at the New York Federal Reserve Bank. Uh, It's a vault that holds uh, much of the Western world's uh, official gold reserves. Unfortunately, uh, according to the LA Times story, the audit there consists largely of uh, uh, drilling some of the gold bars and assaying them uh, to make sure that they are indeed uh, up to the uh, required purity of gold. And that Mm -hmm. is not the problem with uh, official gold reserves, uh, uh, I don't think anybody's ever seriously suggested that the gold bars being held by the Federal Reserve or the Treasury Department or even any of the other Western central banks are likely to be uh, fakes uh, like gold-coated uh, uh, tungsten. The, the, uh, the compelling issue, according to all the research we've done for 13 years, uh, is uh, a question of uh, ownership and uh, uh, whether uh, more uh, more gold is uh, believed owned by people who have placed it on deposit with various central banks, including uh, the Fed, then there really is gold to support it. That is, uh, whether that uh, that gold has been uh, loaned or leased or uh, compromised in its uh, in ownership claims, uh, which uh, claims that have not been made public, and that's really what we we want to know. We we know from uh, an admission by the Federal Reserve in our Freedom of Information case against the Fed a couple of years ago. We have an admission in writing from uh, uh, then governor of uh, the Federal Reserve that the, the Fed has secret gold swap arrangements with uh, with foreign banks, and the Fed doesn't want these arrangements to uh, uh, become public. We have very compelling evidence that other Western central banks, particularly the uh, the German central bank, the Bundesbank, and the Bank of England. Uh, have engaged in gold swap arrangements. Uh, this is to uh, mystify the uh, ownership and location of a lot of the gold so that uh, it can be uh, uh, put into the market to affect the price without uh, the market actually knowing where where the gold is coming from and what the uh, 
the true level of uh, Western Central Bank gold reserves is. It's it's basically a a market uh, deception scheme that we're trying to get the bond to the bottom of, and mm-hmm. and and it's uh, it's it's this that we want audited. We'd like to know uh, what are the gold swap arrangements that the Fed has, that the Bank mm-hmm. of England has, that the Bundesbank uh, uh, has. Uh, we want the uh, the records that bear on the uh, the gold ownership. We we didn't ask anybody to drill holes in the bars. Right. How much gold is really there, and then who owns that gold? Those are the questions, right? Yes, and uh, you know whether uh, uh, there are any of these uh, international agreements uh, to uh, uh, surreptitiously uh, put gold into the market to uh, affect the price and and rig the uh, the currency markets. You have to remember, Jay, that. Um, this sort of thing was public policy in the open back in mm-hmm. the 1960s through mm-hmm. uh, the, the mechanism uh, called the London Gold Pool, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, until I believe March 1968 uh, was openly rigging the price in London uh, through the uh, coordinated disorting of Western Central Bank gold reserves, uh, mm-hmm. United States Bank of England and I believe six other Western European uh, Nations had committed to disordering their gold reserves uh, uh, in a coordinated way in order to prevent the price from rising. And finally, they were losing so much gold in early 1968 that uh, they were in danger of losing all their reserves, and they had to shut the gold pool down. But this gold price rigging used to be done in the open as a matter of public policy. And uh, we have collected a lot of evidence that is still being done, but uh, being done surreptitiously so that not as much gold has to be disordered. It seems to me interesting, though, that there is this sort of um, drilling of the gold bars. Uh, You know, I I know certain adversaries of of GATA. One that comes to mind is John Nadler. I remember him scoffing at uh, at Gata, saying, "I've been there. I've seen the gold." I think Jeffrey Christian said the same thing. You can go down there; it's all there. But that, uh, as you point out, isn't the issue. It's not the issue whether or not there is gold in the Fed and at West Point. I guess is uh, where else do we keep it? In uh, uh, Fort yeah, Knox. West Point uh, uh, vault, uh, the New York Fed, uh, the uh, uh, Fort Knox, of course, and then I guess there's uh, there's some at the uh, the Mints. Uh, uh, that is, you know, used for the small amount that is turned into uh, souvenir coinage every Sure, sure. Yeah, the Fort Knox is a is a mysterious thing, though. There is that's another issue we won't have time for today. But whether there is anything at Fort Knox has been speculation for years. But that's not the issue. As you as you point out, there is a lot of evidence uh, that there are games being played by the uh, by the powers that be with respect to the to the gold markets, and and we want to get to. Uh, to those uh, powers that be. Well, the official uh, word, I think the official number that is quoted for the U.S. gold ownership, I think it comes out to something like 261 million ounces or something like that, and that's a number that hasn't changed for a long time. You see it on the on the uh, you know on the Barrons. I used to see it in Barrons every week when they'd publish the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. That's a number that's been supposedly there. So the government is telling us that they. The U.S. government is telling us that they are holding that amount of gold, and that's been there for a long, long time, right? Yes, uh, but there's also documentation, Jay, to suggest that the gold has been put into play. Um, uh, James Turk of Gold Money, who's a consultant to our committee some years ago, uh, went through the uh, the records of the U.S. Exchange Stabilization Fund and, and found data suggesting that uh, uh, some of that gold uh, had been uh, um, either leased or, or bled into the market in, in some way. Um, you know, the, 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 you'll never, I think, uh, never until uh, Nirvana comes uh, get a a complete, accurate accounting of the uh, location and disposition of Western Central Bank gold reserves. Uh, uh, they, they play a shell game with us as to where everything is at any particular moment. But if you look very, very closely, you can. You can find admissions that the central banks, uh, uh, even in recent years, have been playing games with uh, the gold market. We've put together a, a vast, uh, really, inventory of these records, and recently we put together a, a number of questions that uh, could be put to uh, the major central banks, the, the Fed, the Bank of England, the Bundesbank, the Bank for International Settlements, uh, particularly, which uh, cite specific 
documents and admissions and and ask uh, questions that I think would would show if they were answered that uh, there is surreptitious intervention in the gold market now by by central banks. Uh, I tried very hard to get journalists for mainstream uh, financial organizations to to, uh, to press these questions with the central banks uh, have not yet been successful, but uh, maybe one of these years. Why do you think that is? Oh, uh, I think it's because the, the 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 major investment houses are being used as agents by the uh, the central banks for market intervention. We know that's certainly the case with J.P. Morgan Chase here in the United States. Whenever the Fed has got to rescue somebody uh, or intervene in the market in one way or another, they always go through Morgan Chase. That's a matter of of public record. I, I don't know why people should be so skeptical of suggestions that uh, the Fed might be using you know, Morgan Chase or other investment houses uh, for surreptitious intervention in, uh, in, in the markets. Uh, you know, the, you know, the, the major investment houses are all uh, primary dealers in U.S. government uh, securities. They have private uh, communications with the uh, Fed and the Treasury all the time. Uh, in fact, when we were uh, suing the Fed or hectoring the Fed first for uh, the Fed's gold documents, uh, we were denied in part on grounds that um, the records we were uh, we were seeking uh, uh, would uh, disclose trade secrets uh, of parties unknown. Well, you know, how can yeah. the Fed have any trade secrets? Well. Uh-huh. Presumably, the Fed has trade secrets uh, because it is dealing with uh, with intermediaries in in, in the market. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, now, that is just uh, speculation to some degree, but uh, we do know we have statements from the Fed. We have a court case uh, in which the uh, we have a judicial ruling that the Fed has many secret gold records uh, that uh, do not have to be disclosed to the public. So, uh, we know that the Fed is tampering in the gold market. We just don't know the full extent of it, but even to get a financial journalist to acknowledge that this secrecy is now uh, a matter of public uh, record, that this intervention is a matter of public record, uh, uh, it's uh, it's just been uh, beyond my ability to get them to act. Chris, it seems to me that maybe one of the reasons that the journalists uh, and the people in the mainstream aren't interested in this subject is they don't really understand how important it is. Oh, that's that's very true, Jay. I mean, to most people, gold is just some quaint uh, antique from a bygone age that we've uh, we've outgrown. Uh, I would have uh, thought the same way uh, maybe 15 uh, years ago. I have uh, discovered that uh, gold is actually uh, even now still the the secret knowledge of the the financial universe. It is. Uh, Potentially uh, the most uh, powerful currency in the world, and, and preventing it from uh, uh, becoming again what it was is, I think, the uh, the primary objective of uh, U.S. government uh, foreign and economic policy. Well, certainly, Alan Greenspan understood it and talked about it. He understood that gold had, was a was a dirty secret. Uh, the, the reason that the federal uh, that the government hates gold is because it gets in the way of their. Um, uh, socialistic schemes and, and spending schemes and so forth. And of course, that was one of the reasons Nixon closed the gold window in 71 was because he wanted to finance Vietnam and socialism without, without raising taxes and he could just go into debt and, and, uh, we just close the gold window and there'd be no claim against U.S. gold any longer. But, uh, it's, it's get- a matter of controlling the, the currency markets, uh, Jay. A few years ago, I, uh, I was doing a little research, um, and I discovered a, uh, a report uh, that was uh, published by the U.S. government itself, uh, the U.S. government back during World War II, uh, published a monthly uh, intelligence letter. The War Department published it. It was called uh, uh, "Tactical and Technical Trends" in the March, I'm sorry, the November 1943 edition of the War Department uh, Intelligence Office uh, examined uh, the uh, currency policy of Nazi Germany in occupied Europe. And, uh, you know, most of us have this impression that the Nazis uh, looted uh, occupied Europe uh, at the uh, the point of guns and bayonets, and it was a matter of the SS and Gestapo running around uh, taking all the 
the gold and uh, you know the paintings out of the Louvre and shipping them off to Hermann Goering's palace in East Prussia. And there was certainly some of that, but uh, the overwhelming amount of uh, looting of occupied Europe during World War II was not done that way. It was done through the rigging, the currency markets. Uh, for example, uh, when uh, uh, Germany occupied France in the spring of uh, 1940, uh, one of the first things uh, it did was change the exchange rate between the franc and the Reichsmark, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, had been, I believe, two francs to uh, uh, one Reichsmark, or just about that, and it it, uh, it changed the exchange rate to uh, one uh, Reichsmark to uh, to 20, 20 francs. Uh, this basically put France into starvation as uh, uh, the whole of production of occupied France began to flow into uh, into Germany uh, with nothing flowing back uh, because of the rigging of the exchange rate. And this indeed was the objective of German policy. They wanted to set up a currency system that uh, allowed uh, uh, Germany to buy up the production of uh, occupied Europe uh, in a way that prevented any production from flowing back from Germany mm-hmm. into occupied Europe. They did it in different ways in Eastern Europe where there were not as sophisticated banking systems. They they issued special currency uh, there that was was not redeemable in Germany, but the, the War Department's intelligence uh, letter for November 1943 uh, detailed this. Uh, the United mm. States knew uh, all about it, that the, the most efficient mechanism of uh, Exploiting an occupied territory is is not the uh, the military mechanism. Uh, if you use troops to steal from people, everybody knows who's doing it. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, the rigging of the currency markets. Well, for a few years during World War II, uh, Nazi Germany ran a hell of a trade deficit. But because they controlled the currency market in occupied Europe, they didn't care. Uh, this is uh, completely analogous to what is happening today. Uh, the United States controls the currency markets. It controls the uh, the one uh, real uh, world reserve currency, uh, uh, the dollar, and uh, by controlling the currency markets, it controls the uh, the value of the dollar. Now, I'm not likening the United States government to a uh, Nazi regime. I do think we're getting more and more totalitarian, but you know we're not quite uh, genocidal yet. But nevertheless, the mechanism of controlling uh, uh, populations, the most efficient mechanism, is control of the currency markets, and that's what is uh, really the uh, objective of the gold price suppression scheme if you if you let gold reach a uh, a free market price if you let it function in a uh, a free currency market then all of a sudden all the uh, the other currencies are likely to depreciate against gold and your control over the planet uh, diminishes well and uh this is exactly what seems to be happening we've had john perkins on this show uh written the book uh, confessions of an economic hitman and his thesis is that uh, the, the modus operandi of the United States has been, uh, in the post-World War II era, was to basically get everybody in debt. And of course, if you have control of the, uh, you have control of the uh, global currency system, which the U.S. has had since the uh, since World War II, you just get everybody in debt, and then you own them, and that's uh, controlling the system. And this is one of the reasons that I, I claim, and I said at the at the top of the show, the reason that I think Richard Nixon uh, was the worst president, the most uh, he was a traitor, in my view, was because he took us off the gold standard, and that enabled Greenspan to do all the naughty things he's done, and all the horrible things that have been done since with uh, the current uh, Federal Reserve Chairman as well in spades but we send two trillion dollars mr bernanke calls it a swap here we are back to swaps again you're talking about gold swaps bernanke doesn't want to call it a loan but in effect it is a loan to two trillion dollars to europe to help them bail out their their troubled banking system are we not looking to surround europe in a sense uh the anglo-american empire to grab a hold of europe is that what's going on here well and if that's what's going I, I on then chris it's, isn't it's a this matter a- of keeping the uh uh, the political power in the world uh, where it is, and the, uh-huh. the primary uh, focus of that power is is the Federal Reserve. Uh, Ron Paul, the congressman from Texas, who long has complained about the Fed, I think has made the the really compelling point that the uh, elected branches of our government, uh, the, the Congress and the, and the President, uh, control a very, very 
small amount of money compared to the unelected branch of government, the, the Federal Reserve. That mm-hmm. is the, the the Fed is the, uh, uh, the the real focus of of power in the United States, and it's uh, it's an unelected uh, agency. The elected branches of government uh, uh, have very little power compared to the Federal Reserve. Yeah, and then you, and yet, of course, that is not recognized by the masses, and uh, so we have these uh, elections that come up from time to time, and uh, you know how meaningful are they? That's that's really a question. We have uh, a few minutes yet before we have to go to a commercial break, Chris. But I want to get into this issue about um, if we have 261 million ounces, we're supposed to have them, but let's say we don't have all that, and it's somewhere else. Now we've had people on this show, including recently James Turk. Uh, has been on. We've also had John Butler on. Both of these gentlemen believe that we are inevitably, at least Butler does, believes that we are inevitably heading towards some sort of a gold-backed monetary system again. Well, let me ask you this, and maybe this is something we don't know how much time we'll have to talk about it before the break because we do have a hard break and we have to take it, but how important is it then if the United States uh, doesn't have all the gold it's supposed to have what impact might that have on each of us as citizens of the, of the United States? Well, certainly it would be very damaging to the credibility of uh, the United States government. I, I don't know how much the world thinks that the value of the dollar is based on the U.S. Uh, gold reserves. And I'm not a, a gold standard guy. I'm a, a free market uh, uh, advocate. Uh, in fact, I, I don't want a gold standard. I don't mm-hmm. want the, the government tampering in the gold market at all. Mm-hmm. I, I want a free gold price. I want gold to be a, a free currency that free people can resort to when they're mm-hmm. unhappy with uh, with government uh, mm-hmm. currencies. Uh, but I I suspect the uh, the U.S. government can always make good on uh, on its gold reserve by uh, simp- simply offering uh, uh, to purchase gold at a higher price at uh, uh, at a high enough real price, I think uh, we'd all tender our gold back to the the Treasury or uh, or the Fed if we were convinced that we were uh, being given you know real additional value for it. And I suspect that that will be the way that governments recover the gold that they have uh, bled surreptitiously into the market. So over the years, we'll wake up some Monday morning or uh, find out on the news Sunday night uh, sometime that there's a new international currency currency regime and that uh, by the way uh, western central banks will be uh, bidding for gold at five or ten thousand dollars an ounce something like that and they'll get all the gold back hmm. so that could be the way that it that it happens uh, and certainly as the markets uh, will have their way eventually uh, you can fool mother nature so long but there comes a time when uh, in fact that's the point that butler makes that uh, that the the markets and, and probably some of the countries, uh, the creditor countries for sure, um, are going to force uh, the United States or the, probably the debtor countries, or let's say the U.S. and the Western world is spending more than it's uh, is spending more than it's creating. Uh, it's living beyond its means, and in fact, I believe that the Western world is is basically broke. It's it's insolvent. It's not only illiquid. Yeah, I, I think it happens, Jay, when the gold runs out. That's what happened in March 1968. The gold, U.S. gold reserve, had been run down from 25,000 tons to about 8,200 tons, and uh, uh, the United States government realized that in a few weeks it would all be gone, and so they called off the the gold pool. Um, if uh, the eastern countries that are amassing gold uh, require real metal and mm-hmm. refuse to take paper, uh, then the current gold reserves will get run down to nothing and then the game will be called off but as long as gold buyers are are content to accept pieces of paper that say gold uh then the the scheme can go on forever mm, interesting well it it could certainly well be uh play out that way uh, so you'd see that the US gold reserves uh continue to dwindle uh, we don't really have any understanding of how much they are but uh if they have to the US has to give up its gold to keep uh, China or some of the other countries happy? Is that what, what you're suggesting? Yeah, I, I think that China certainly now is uh, vigorously hedging its U.S. dollar exposure. And I suspect mm-hmm. that China itself lately has been cooperating in the gold price suppression scheme because they are not fully hedged. They don't want the dollar to blow up yet. They want to yeah. ease out of the dollar as best they can and and, uh, and obtain real assets, uh, mm-hmm. real goods, uh, properties, uh, resources for 
those dollars, and only when those dollars are fully hedged is China going to pull the plug. We do know okay. from the WikiLeaks cables that came out a year or so ago that uh, the Chinese government is completely aware of the gold price suppression scheme. There were uh, cables okay, Chris, from the U.S. Chris, Embassy in Chris, Beijing. Hold that. Uh, Chris, please hold sure, that thought. Sure. We Sorry, do have sure. to go to a hard break now, Chris. Uh, when we come back, we'll pick up on the WikiLeaks uh, issue and, and a continuation of what you were saying. It's very, very interesting. Folks, don't go away. We have to go to a break. We'll be right back with Chris Powell. Don't go away. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Eurostar Gold Corporation is re-examining well-known properties in Mexico using modern exploration knowledge and tools to access the riches that others only dreamed of. Eurostar has announced positive drilling results on all three of its Mexican gold properties in 2012. Drilling continues at the flagship El Antimonio property, where over 60% of Phase 1 drill holes have returned significant gold mineralization over wide intervals. Through its aggressive exploration strategy, experienced leadership, and loyal shareholder base, Eurostar is poised to give new life to valuable gold resources. Visit www.euristargold.com for more information. Are you in a workplace filled with harmony or chaos? Is it your boss causing undue stress, or is it your coworkers? Maybe it's the work you're doing. Maybe it's the work environment. You need real solutions from someone who has over 25 years of workplace consulting experience. Tune in to Today's Workplace with Emery Mulling, your at-work expert. Emery and his guests will bring you expert solutions to the problems found in work environments today. Solutions you can apply right away to create a pleasurable workspace. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the causes and solutions to underlying problems. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to triple the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has been in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. 